Итак, если у вас есть Библии, можете открыть вместе со мной знакомое для нас место, Писание, в котором сокрыто бездна богатство премудрости Божией, с которыми мы еще не встречались. «Да будете сынами Отца вашего Небесного, ибо Он повелевает Солнцу Своему восходить над злыми и добрыми и посылает дождь на праведных и неправедных». Итак, будьте совершенны, как совершен Отец ваш Небесный, Матфея. 5.45.48 The sermon that I would like to continue is called Call to Perfection. This is the calling of the nation of God, that we be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. And so this promised commandment promise as a commandment is the inheritance of the saints of all generations and this commandment of Christ is addressed specifically to his students. Therefore people who do not acknowledge the power of the person that is sent by God over themselves have no part to the inheritance of this commandment and most likely will never be able to have it because they do not possess the virtue of a student. Relevant to fulfilling this required commandment we stop to study the purpose of the righteousness of God in the heart of a man. Specifically, the goals that the righteousness of God abiding within our heart is called to pursue. And in part, we've been studying the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart received by us in the two broken tablets of the covenant that symbolize the uh, Christ who died, where we die by the law, for the law, to live for the one that died and resurrected, and by doing so receive confirmation of our salvation in the new tablets of the covenant, in the format of the law of the spirit of life, so we can provide God a basis to give us the promise to be heirs of peace, not by the past law, but by the righteousness of faith, like he gave it to Abraham and his seed. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith, Romans 4.13. When God gives something, he gives it in the form of a seed that needs to be uh, invested so that it, you can confirm the right your right to this promise. We note that the righteousness of faith is determined by the obedience of our faith to the faith of God, which is presented in the preached word of God sent and the person who is a father from God to us. Faith, God's faith is information that comes from hearing the word of God, not what we read, but what we hear, the living word. Our faith is our obedience to the Word of God that we hear. This is the collaboration of our faith with God's faith. Therefore, the promise of the peace of God is given only to those men who are obedient to the order of God in accordance to which He sends us His Word by the mouth of His delegated One. This is God's structure, God's order. And when a person considers himself uh, uh, as special or independent from that, that he himself has saved himself and came to God himself, then this is definitely a person who is deceived. Therefore, the covenant of peace within the heart of man is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God, which are the spoken words of God's delegated ones. It is by the means of the righteousness of faith the covenant of peace presented in the inheritance of peace is called to abide and be within the heart of man evidence of the fact that we are children of God. Therefore, the inheritance of peace abiding within the covenant of peace is 
is the treasury of our hope in God, containing the bond of all of the promises of God. The treasury of God is our heart, containing the bond of all of the promises of God, the achievement of these goals is the given to us righteousness. It is righteousness by the means of the peace of God containing the covenant of peace that can and is called to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6, 7. <clears throat> Christ Jesus, our Lord, He is at the right side of His Father. Imagine for yourself, no one can be there. Today, <clears throat> however uh, banks may uh, be protected and guarded, people still manage to somehow steal. But here, in this bank, is our treasury and no one can enter and steal. Miraculously, miraculously, it is bound to the promises, the treasury of our heart and the temple, which is the Church of Jesus Christ. And so according to this place, we need to understand that the peace of God that is able to guard our minds in Christ Jesus, it is only when our mind is renewed by the spirit of our mind, which is the mind of Christ in our spirit, because to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God. If a person desires to become rich, he resists God. He does not consider God to be his wealth, that the word of God is his wealth. He wants to have materialistic prosperity. He does not believe in that wealth. He cannot rely upon that wealth. And so it says that people that think this way, they are not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Romans 8, 6 through 8. Six through eight. People who preach materialistic prosperity as if a promise from God that you need to think about, meditate about, and so forth, are people that live according to the flesh and that march to hell. And those that march after them will share their lot together with them. According to the given place, we conclude that people that refuse the condition where the truth of the preached word and the power of the Holy Spirit renews their mind by the spirit of their mind have no part to the peace of God and are not able to have it. And consequently, such people have no part and cannot have any part to the sons of peace either, who by the means of God's peace will inherit eternal salvation in the kingdom of heaven. We need to apprehend well that only collaborating our spirit with our renewed mind that is within Christ Jesus, we are called to enthrone the resurrection of Christ in our body and clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ. Relevant to this, we stop to look at the fourth question, by what signs do we examine ourselves? that we are the sons of peace and therefore are the sons of God. Because it is only by the rule of the peace of God within our heart that we are able to examine ourselves and no loss or gain is able to interrupt this peace. We are able to examine ourselves by the rule of this peace we are able to examine ourselves that we are truly the sons of God as it is written blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God Matthew 5 9. We've noted that if a person has not died for his nation, for the house of his father, by the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
for the house of his father and for his fleshly life than his justification that he received in salvation by faith in Christ Jesus in the format of a guarantee this justification will never turn into the quality and format of righteousness where he would be able to receive the ability to be clothed into the inheritance of the peace of God in order to bear within his righteousness fruits of peace so that you can receive this as your own because when God justifies us then this is a conditional justification. It's a guarantee and when we turn it to profit us so that we could receive it as our own this righteousness then we if we don't do this we'll lose this justification and the crown of righteousness then of such people will be taken from them giving them the right to the promise of peace where they would be able to to have been called the sons of God Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. Revelations 3.11. The crown is justification, but it can be stolen or taken if this justification will not be confirmed or established, well, if it will not become our own, where we would be able to perform righteousness. The righteous can perform righteousness. And at the beginning of righteousness, when we turn the silver of justification to profit us, the silver of salvation, it is given to us not in the form of fruit, but seed. But for this uh, seed to bear fruit, it needs to first die. It needs to die in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to remember that the promise of the peace of God obtains its power and its legitimacy within our heart only by the righteousness of our faith in the covenant of peace. <coughs> which portions responsibility upon both sides of the covenant where each side that is responsible to fulfill their role that is implemented by God in the written word of the covenant of peace and if one if someone does not tell us about this and they don't explain what the covenant of peace contains and what the role of man is and the role of God is, we will never be able to fulfill it. We will talk about it, we will confess it, but we don't understand the the essence of our role or what a covenant is. We think if we were baptized by water, that in this baptism of water we've made a covenant with God. But a person doesn't know about this covenant. They, he hasn't been told about it. And when he is baptized by water, making a covenant with God, he doesn't know what covenant he's making. All they tell him is that empty phrases, not explaining the actual meaning, that baptism is not uh, the washing of sins uh, physically, but serving God with a good conscience how can I promise to serve God when I don't know what I'm supposed to do if they tell me don't smoke don't drink don't lie do not com commit fornicating works this doesn't mean anything but this is what people are told do not smoke do not do drugs do not betray your husband or wife do not lie and that's it that's all you need to know but you cannot do any of these things and still be dependent on money and your old person. And if you're dependent on money or your old person, you will perish. You need to explain the covenant, what role you have in that covenant, the covenant you make with God. 
And if one of the sides, as we often say, breaks the agreement that is made in the covenant of peace between God and man, and we note that only the one that can do this is the man that can break it, then the God is faithful to his word and will never change. We can stumble, not follow, we can come and repent and ask for forgiveness, and God forgives because of his son, Jesus Christ's blood. And the covenant is restored. And when, But if a person does not repent, then the other side, the participant of this covenant being God, becomes free from the responsibility of fulfilling his part of the agreement made in the covenant of peace. Therefore, the fruit of righteousness is identified within our heart as the peace of God, and this is evidence that we are the sons of peace, and this serves as a legitimate basis for God to fulfill his part of the covenant of peace, which consists of leading us into the inheritance of his Son, because he is our peace. Between God and man, he has reconciled us, he has made one whole between the nation of Israel and the Gentile nations, he has reconciled, so that we may share uh, with him the achievement of all that is written about him in the laws, prophets, and psalms. Because the nation of Israel symbolizes the new person, the spirit of a person, and the surrounding nations symbolize the soul and the body. And so it is necessary for God not to save the nation of Israel, but also the spirit, soul, the spirit, soul, and body. And so in every nation, uh, those who fear God to behave according to righteousness, they are uh, pleasant to Him. Because justification that we received by right of our birth from the seed of the word of truth has changed into the quality and format of righteousness where we receive the ability to bear fruits of peace within our relationship with God and with those around us. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Hebrews 12.14 We note that in the given situation we're talking about a unique and unearthly peace that is to be done by God only within the boundaries of holiness or be an expression and demonstration of holiness whose boundaries are the commandments of God containing the righteousness of God. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men, Romans 12, 18, that means you cannot have peace with all men. Therefore, peace that we dare to or have the audacity to demonstrate using the ideas of our own mind out of the boundaries of holiness and not as a demonstration of holiness will be incriminated as a heavy form of lawlessness for which we will be required to pay a price of eternal life because our fellowship or our communication with people <coughs> that the scriptures, and note, we're saying that the scriptures, not us, ascribed to corrupt company. Some say, well, they prayed, they serve God too. This is your opinion. This is not what God sees. <coughs> and so if the scripture ascribed them to corrupt company and we will be having a relationship with them, this will perverse or corrupt our good habits and will transform us into their wicked image. The world uh, is not the wicked. These are people that were once holy, that were in the church, but then abandoned their church, resisted, and began to wander in other churches that God is binding into sheaves as his weeds. He's gathering the weeds and putting them, binding them into sheaves. It's interesting that immediately against those that they were yesterday, tomorrow, they are in the same uh, bundle with them in the same sheaf. 
Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. 1 Corinthians 15, 34. If you become a member of a church where wine is not a sin, to drink wine is not a sin, then you are, are pretty much becoming their corrupt image or in their corrupt image. Drunkards do not inherit eternal, uh, eternal life or the kingdom of heaven. Drunkards are not those who drink too much. These are those who drink in general. You don't need to become completely drunk to be called a drunkard. The scriptures call a drunkard a person who drinks alcohol. And it calls a fornicator one that does this work, uh, commits this act in betraying a husband or wife. You say, well, I drink very little, maybe one little glass, and there's no harm. Then there's no harm if I once in a while will only betray my husband or wife with another. Why can we not do that this little by little? Why can't we lie a little bit? Why can't we be jealous just a little bit? You see that it's not talking about how much of it, but the fact that you're allowing yourself to do it, you're legalizing the act. You say that drinking of wine is a, you can determine a, a spiritual person, that's how that's how they explain it, that these pseudo uh, generals of God, they say this is how you determine a spiritual person every day one of these individuals, one very popular woman that a lot of people watch, Joyce Mayer she says every day I cleanse myself with wine because she's not in the church, she uh, she has a few people, this is her mission, and every day she uh, she says she per, uh, performs this, work, this communion service in her own house. And people come to her services, cry, she, she inspires people to cry. She has truly a gift of ins inspiring. She has the she has the gift of one who's a water and could beautifully and wonderfully do this if she collaborated with one that sows the seed. But she has refused because she has become a business. This has become a business for her, and so it is impossible and criminal to have peace with the wicked and the lawless that support the wicked who in their time had received the truth but afterwards abandoned their church and turned away from the given to them holy commandments the very fact of their rebellion and their hatred of the words given by the delegated of God that are placed over them testifies of the fact that they have lost the peace that was in their heart and membered them to the category of the wicked they for themselves have decided to choose the teachers that would deceive them and consider that this is not sin. And it's pleasant to believe what is not sin, but what scripture say it's sin, it's not, no longer important for them. The teacher that they choose they, that says it's not a sin. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Isaiah 57, 20 through 21. This very place of scripture is also uh, written exactly in other uh, places of scripture. There's no peace for the wicked. What they call peace within their heart is peace with sin. Why does their conscience not judge them because when they lost peace with God? Because it is burned out. And they 
now receive a complete liberty from righteousness and have become servants of sin. And they have a different peace in their heart. And their conscience does not condemn them. And so they create their own <coughs> congregations. And the first thing they begin to do is evangelize. This is the first thing that they focus on. They begin to form a specific uh, women's services, specific uh, youth services. That is against God's will. Uh, men, women, and youth need to be together. We find them in the court uh, of King Artisares. They are all, all men, women, and the youth are all there. But uh, Queen Ashti, she had only uh, invited women. You cannot bear fruit there. There's no soil that you can bear fruit or do something. Why is it interesting that these two individuals, one creates uh, this her, a gathering of just women and the other in the garden with all of <coughs> the people invited? In a specific format, we already looked at six signs by which we need to determine and examine ourselves as to whether we are the sons of peace as well as the sons of God and have been studying the seventh sign. This is our ability to clothe our essence into the holy and selective love of God. When we are behaving according to the commandments of God, God's commandment, if you love me, keep my commandments, this doesn't mean my or your emotion when it comes to your neighbor or what you feel, whether you're, you're uh, acceptable, acceptive or receptive to them or not, when you begin to treat your neighbor according to scripture, regardless of uh, what your opinion may be in nature, this person may not be attractive to you. And this exists in all men that are of the flesh. Not because a person is bad, they're just not attractive to you. That's it. And so when you begin to treat this unattractive to you person as you treat the one that is attractive to you, you invite them, you do good to them, you are uh, considerate of them, you fulfill God's commandments, you demonstrate your love, God's love toward them, then our, the old person that has this uh, accept, acceptance and unacceptance is bound. And you begin to realize that this person is very attractive to you that used to not be. That's what God wants to achieve so that amongst this massive people that come together, together with their acceptance, unacceptance from different uh, ways of understanding, different in intelligence, different social statuses, different cultures, and suddenly all of these cultures are erased and all of these ranks are erased and they begin to communicate with each other as uh, as one. This will surprise people of the world because the world is all separated into social groups. In all churches, these social groups exist. I grew up in a Pentecostal church, non-registrated as it was in the time. There was a registrated, not registrated with the government, but and they had their own social groups, specific groups that <coughs> were considered the greatest or the, the highest among all and they invited only specific people to their groups and others just watched and were not ever welcomed or invited. They had to fend for themselves. And so that's how these groups either gather either by the <clears throat> their way of understanding or specific interests. All this needs to be erased. <clears throat> 
This is what it means to be clothed into the love. But above all, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. <coughs> in one body, this needs to happen. Colossians 3, 14, 15. We don't uh, have an in acceptance to one of one of the parts of our body because if you do then you're you there's an issue having an in acceptance uh, to one part of your body you curse that part of your body as soon as you dislike your face in your in the mirror you curse your face you can go to uh, any clinics you'd like or do any sort of treatments to your face but you will never like your face you curse your face and you curse your figure you don't like that you have a weight and you curse that. Stop cursing yourself. Some have a natural ability uh, stop even thinking about those kinds of things. Begin to seek the Lord and the Lord <coughs> will restore your hormonal uh, system in your body if it happened and your unhealthy weight he will heal you but you need to not focus yourself on this and hate yourself you need to love yourself because we will not be able to love our neighbor love your neighbor as yourself how can I love my neighbor if I dislike myself if I was taught I was talking to one sister why have you uh, changed in such a way she was very p clean she was very proper and now she's she's uh, she's just she very much changed she was not clean she was not tr uh, it looked like she wasn't caring about herself and I asked her what if, if everything was all right and she said oh it's just my body and I don't care for it and uh, she she's she stated these words in a very uh, forsaking manner and I told her this is your body and the Lord paid a price for it uh, and you have your spirit and by with your spirit you need to obtain your soul and your body and she's saying well why do I need this body others the opposite over they overly care for their body and this is also a problem and so we need to uh, of course, are judged often for saying such things that we do need to love our body and we need to hate the soul but love the body because our body is cursed by our soul. When we hate our soul and we lose it, we will reobtain it in a new form and this soul in a new form, she, it, this one you will love. It will demonstrate itself in a renewed mind that will wisely behave toward our body and will understand how we need to nourish it and how and what how uh, what sleep we need to give it according to this place of scripture written in Colossians 3 14 through 15 the reign of the peace of God within our heart is possible only upon one condition, that is, if the selective love of God will abide within our heart, and if we will be clothed into the selective love of God. Selective means holy. He chooses. He loves the one and hates the other. God loves only his children, only his children, and hates the rest, because he wanted all to be his children. 
but these all have refused to be his children. Why then does he need to love them if they have rejected to be his, his children? If the wicked will be shown mercy even in heaven, he will not look at the greatness of God, even if he's led into it. And so in the kingdom of heaven, only people that have kept themselves for the Lord will enter and fear before his word. In the selective love of God, the holy love of God, which is the atmosphere of the peace of God, we see concealed the good, wonderful, eternal, and uncomprehending for the human mind goals and works of God, called to build a unique and peaceful relationship between God and exclusively with His children. Comprehending the selective love of God is called to fill us with the fullness of the peace of God or make us perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. And this perfection means to, that you uh, show mercy toward the uh, vessels of mercy and demonstrate your wrath toward those vessels of wrath. Because His sun, when it shines, it for the righteous, it shines and caresses them and warms them and blesses them, but the unrighteous, it burns them. When He pours out His rains for the righteous, it is a blessing and in measure. I will send you uh, rains in measure and timely, but for the wicked, He sends His rain not timely and not in measure. And you see how entire uh, cities sometimes are uh, destroyed. God promised that He will not destroy the whole world with a flood. He said the whole world, but that does not mean that there will not be any floods. And today, a flood has become a very common situation that used to not be in the past hundred years. In every country of the world, every uh, year, there are uh, incidences that take place uh, and they're flooding, flooding cities and flooding uh, different areas and this is happening every year. If this is what you consider blessing that God pours out His rains, we know how we need to pour out our rains. We need to have a relationship with vessels of mercy and show mercy to vessels of mercy. But the vessels of wrath who have made themselves this way have resisted God's righteousness. With these people, you need to not have peace and pour out God's wrath, the written uh, wrath of God upon them. <clears throat> the selective love of God is presented by the Holy Spirit in Scripture in seven unchanging virtues or elements by, by the preached word of the apostles and prophets. This is virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. 2 Peter 1, 2 through 8. First, each of the seven qualities of the fruit of virtue contain the characteristics this is one fruit. These are not different fruits. In this one fruit are these components, these ingredients. They are all in one. In each of these seven qualities, these components of the fruits of vir of the fruit of virtue contains the characteristics of the rest of the qualities. They flow one from the other, complete one the other, strengthen one the other, and confirm the truthful nature of one the other. These qualities are called to be the moral perfection within our heart and an example inherent to the essence of God. By these qualities, are you able to determine that you are the sons of peace? son of peace that you are a child of God. The given qualities are the great and precious promises entrusted, entrusted to us through Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. The given qualities are the imperishable treasure and unsearchable wealth of Christ with which we need to become rich. This is the true wealth, a changed character. 
and it can be so when we have died for the house of our father, for our nation, and our corrupt desires. Fifth, in order to receive the inheritance of these qualities, it is necessary for us to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Until the Holy Spirit will not be received into our heart as the Lord and Master of our life, we will not be able to become rich with these promises of God with the qualities listed. Sixth, the means that we are to use to receive the power of the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of our life is the obedience of our faith to the faith of God. Seventh, by inheriting these great and precious promises in the form of the fruit of our spirit, we become a part of God's divine nature. Since virtue and the selective love of God demonstrated in the seven unchanging qualities and characteristics have nothing in common with and cannot have anything in common with the nature of human love, which is filled with egoism, is greedy, and is just temporary. We know that the love of man, however they may describe it, authors may describe it in their uh, romances and works of romance, it has its uh, limit. And in character, it is egotistical because it does not have this understanding of sacrifice. And so, talking about the selective love of God, containing the format of the seven unchanging qualities listed previously, this fruit of this love is called to enthrone the resurrection of Christ within our body, not this human tolerant love, but God's love is called to enthrone the resurrection of Christ in our body and clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ that is into our new person. The element of virtue in the selective love of God has no comparison to the tolerant love of man. Since the quality of the selective love of God are eternally existing qualities, these qualities are the qualities of our Heavenly Father and His all-consuming holiness and all that comes from God because God is love. And more accurately, He is a holy love separated from all that man calls love. Try to call God and say, Lord, I love you, as the, those in the charismatic services do. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. They, uh, they say, uh, <clears throat> and so uh, they use wording, and sometimes in different languages, as in the Russian, Thank you can be also, God save you in the form of translation. And so you say such words, and so they begin to, and they send kisses. When I was speaking with such a pastor that does this, well, that's how we are in our service. That's how we behave. And I said, this is absurd. Uh, this is ridiculous. But that's how we are. So you're, you're, this kind of behavior toward God is ridiculous. And so God's love, it is holy. It is separated from all that... Uh, man calls love, and such an inaccessible for our mind transcendent love of God is identified in scripture as the bond of all perfection, which indicates the fact that the selective love of God is placed by God first over the rest of his perfections, identified as his goodness. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, Colossians 3.14. We further will talk about how to be clothed into the love of God and that it's to be clothed into the word of God because it's poured out into us in the words of grace. The love of God 
is the foundation and the atmosphere of the moral and immovable law, opening within our heart the essence of God and the essence of the heavenly kingdom. And this is not all. The love of God agape is a sovereign love, which is unconditional when it comes to the people it chooses, in its abilities to, in its abilities to foreknow and predestine. Because of his sovereignty, the selective love of God never violates the sovereign rights of these people she selects and never allows her own. In other words, she is never uh, jealous without a, a basis. Often people, when they're, they get married, they think that this is their personal possession and they are jealous uh, of their of their husband or wife, uh, even if they have an interest to anything else, they love their work. It'll be jeal- the person will be jealous because of that. If you love the children, the person becomes jealous. Their very thing, their very children, <clears throat> anything that a person, <clears throat> this husband or wife loves, uh, this person then decides that they are not to love anything but them. But love for work and children and your church are absolutely different forms of love but this egotistical love does not understand that and so it is jealous God is jealous only when there's a real uh, reason when a person begins to bend away from him and begins to love something different that is uh, that God hates and so we need to understand that And God's uh, love never allows her own sovereign rights within her boundaries to be violated. The boundaries are his burning holiness. In a specific format, these seven characteristics that together identify within our heart the goodness of God in the perfection of a selective love, we have already looked at six qualities and have been studying the seventh. This is demonstrating the love of God agape and brotherly kindness. In scripture, the love of God agape as the virtue of God coming from brotherly kindness it is written, demonstrate in brotherly kindness love. And so, it's not that we're to demonstrate love separate from something else. We demonstrate it in what? In brotherly kindness. And we need to demonstrate it in this brotherly kindness. And it is exclusively uh, demonstrated by our level of hatred to the fallen angels and men that are within the power of these fallen spirits. Therefore, in the Holy Scriptures, the degree of our power of the love and hatred is demonstrated. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Hebrews 1.9 And so, your love for righteous those who are righteous and hate your hate toward those that are lawless. And so this atmosphere where a person has, as God has, hatred toward uh, lawlessness and those evildoers who perform lawlessness and love for righteousness and those who do this righteousness, Hebrews 1.9. Considering that evil demonstrating itself in man in hatred that comes from jealousy and arrogance of man and good demonstrating itself in man in love that comes from brotherly kindness is These are programs. Therefore, to love righteousness and hate lawlessness is only possible in its carriers, which are their programmable systems. As it is written, the Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one that loves violence, his soul hates. It's talking about people in the church that 
That law violence. Upon the wicked he will rain coals, fire and brimstone, and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous, he loves righteousness, his countenance beholds the upright. Psalm 11, 5-7. Relevant to this, as in the previous elements, the virtue of God in his unique for us goodness, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith in seven elements, we need to answer four classical questions. First, what do the scriptures say about the genesis and eternal essence of the fruit of virtue that reveals itself in the heart of man, in the love of God agape that comes from brotherly kindness, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith? What purpose does the fruit of virtue have demonstrated in our faith, in the love of God agape that comes from brotherly kindness? What conditions do we need to fulfill in order to demonstrate the fruit of virtue, in the love of God agape in our faith, coming from brotherly kindness. By what signs that is our relationship with one another, and by what signs do we examine ourselves that we are demonstrating the fruit of virtue in the love of God agape that comes from brotherly kindness, so we can truly, that we truly have this fruit. Therefore, in order to understand within, our, within ourselves the natural essence of the love of God that comes from brotherly kindness, it is necessary for us to remember what God what and who God loves and what and who God hates. The love of God has been poured out into our heart by the Holy Spirit who was given to us, Romans 5.5. 5. Relevant to this, we already studied seven elements called to take part in the pour out of the love of God into our heart, studying who God loves and who God hates and have, uh, of who God loves and have now studied five elements of who God hates. The sixth element of the selective love of God of the ones that God uh, hates is one that hates a person that is filled with lawlessness and the one that is that is full of wickedness. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devise, devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift to running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. And all of these together, all of these are uh, united and cannot be one more of one and less of the other. They just demonstrate uh, each other maybe in different situations, more or less. But previously we know that in scripture the seven troubles that we need to condemn and that we need to become free of are the reason for God's hatred therefore in order to collaborate with God to be delivered from the carrier of these seven troubles within our body as well as out of our body it is necessary for us to hate them as God hates them according to the meaning of the given proverb in order for God to deliver us from the seven troubles the carriers of which are unclean and lawless men we first need to become free of the seven troubles inside of ourselves or inside of our essence the carrier is our uncrucified flesh being supported by reigning sin which is our old person we know in scripture the symbolic number of seven 
is in the heart of man a symbol of the fullness of righteousness in Christ Jesus, placed in dependence of the truth that abides in the heart and the Holy Spirit, revealing the truth in the heart, or a symbol of the fullness of wickedness in the heart of man, placed in dependence of reigning sin within our body and trusting upon your intellectual abilities. Therefore, the seven troubles identify the inner state of the fullness of an of the uncrucified soul of man that is condemned to death. We need to note that until we understand the essence of the disaster living in us in these seven troubles and hate them so that we can become free of them, the seven troubles that exist out of us will not be able to be our enemies and it is more likely they will be like-minded to us. In order to become, they will pretty much will be in one sheaf together. In order to become free of the seven troubles, the carrier of which is our uncrucified flesh, that is our old person that lives within our mortal body, it is necessary to hate them so that by the cross of the Lord Jesus, we die for our nation, the house of our Father, and the destructive desires of our soul. And afterwards, oppose the seven troubles that identify the fullness of wickedness with the seven components of virtue of our faith that identify the fullness of righteousness. These are the familiar to us components that open to us open access into the eternal kingdom of our Lord, our, Sa our Savior, Jesus Christ. If you have this and it increases, then you will not be without fruit. And by this, open access will be given to you into the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. The fullness of righteousness inside of man. In order to hate the seven troubles, the carrier of which is our uncrucified flesh, that is our old person that lives within our mortal body, it is necessary to at least provide short definitions of the seven troubles by which we will be able to expose them within our bodies so that we can hate them and become free of them and oppose them with the seven components of the fruits of virtue or the fruits of righteousness. The, fir the first component of the fullness of wickedness in man in the seven troubles is a proud look. In Hebrew, a proud look means the beginning of the mind that is in the heart of man, identifying his inner state or inner status that reveals itself outwardly or is visible, becomes visible. A proud look is an unclean eye, the look and appearance of impurity, a resentful wellspring, a damaged spring. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, it's talking about the children of God. If your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Matthew 6, 22 through 24. According to the words of Christ, a proud look identifies a person who strives to become rich against or contrary to scripture. As soon as a person of God is captured by perishable wealth, the eye of his heart becomes dim and he becomes a servant to mammon. And because of this, his whole body becomes unclean. You know how the wealthy look at everyone else from on high or from a higher, they have very arrogant eyes. This is dependence on money. Sometimes a person 
doesn't have money, but his eyes are still like this because he's dependent on money. The next component of the fullness of wickedness in man in the seven troubles is a lying tongue. In Hebrew, the component of a lying tongue compares a person to a foolish woman, who, one who is clamorous, simple, and knowing nothing. A lying tongue, a lie, something fake, a bay of fatal water, stolen waters, bitter waters, a deep swamp, <clears throat> being fertilized with the seeds of deceit or deception. This is a lying tongue because when we say a word, this is a seed. And when it comes out of our mouth, we are then being fertilized by this very seed. So be careful what words come out of your mouth. I watch what comes out of my mouth, and you watch what comes out of yours. L let's see how a person is described, one who has a deceitful mouth. He is not a man. He does not have the virtue of a, a man. Proverbs 9, 13 through 18. A foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple, and she knows nothing. I'll say immediately, this is the characteristic of false charismatic persons. For she sits at the door of her house on a seat by the highest places of the city to call to those who pass by, who go straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And as for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, stolen waters is sweet. And they steal their uh, words. They don't have their own word. They steal it from those that are anointed. And bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of hell. But you immediately uh, turn away, do not pay or focus on her. By this you will pass by and do not drink from a foreign wellspring so that you would be able to increase the days of your life. This is for a person for who, it, who does uh, these evil works and also for the one that doesn't, who does not abandon the church. And so people leave the church, they are attracted by this clamorous one, one that is not restrained. In the given proverb, it speaks of the character of worshiping God where a foreign form of worshiping idols is being used. The Israelite people were often drawn to this form of worship, and today this foreign form of worship within the Protestant church is called a charismatic service that has nothing to do with true charisma and will never have anything to do with it. I applied my heart to know, to search and seek out wisdom and the reason of things, to know the wickedness of folly, even of foolishness and madness. And I find more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets, whose hands are fetters. It's not talking about a specific woman, because it's talking about a specific, it's not talking about a women, but in, in a specific woman. When God created man and women and gave them the uh, the name person or human, he shows himself in the form of a man and a woman. He, dem he reveals himself in both a man and a woman. So he cannot speak these kinds of words against a woman. He's talking about what is not something that's not even his own, uh, not a woman of his own uh, creation. 
the religious of, uh, elite of Israel, he called them the, the children of the devil and not his own. So never think that all people have uh, the image of God. Here it's talking about the woman that's not of the Lord's creation. These are talking about these gatherings and prayer services, so-called prayer services, that steal uh, and call these uh, and have a very noisy uh, form of service and take on uh, worship, uh, forms of worship that are not godly. The woman whose heart is snares and nets, I find better than death, whose hands are fetters, he who pleases God shall escape from her, but the sinner shall be trapped by her. Ecclesiastes 7, 25, 26. And so the sinners will definitely go uh, to these places because it will be attractive to, attractive to them. To the chief musician set to the lilies of Psalm of David, Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I have come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. Psalm 69, 1, 2. Many who have come out of these charismatic services, that's what they say, that they were dying there. They were praying. They didn't understand where they were. They didn't understand what they need to do. Uh, this noise, it seemed like it was something big, but these false miracles and signs and so forth, but it was just uh, deception and seeking God sincerely were not able to understand what was going on, but God led them out eventually from there. The next component of the fullness of wickedness in man in the seven troubles are hands that shed innocent blood. In Hebrew, hands that shed innocent blood is a heart that is filled with jealousy and <clears throat> the coming from it, hatred. Hands that shed innocent blood is a heart that has jealousy, offense, wishing someone ill, hatred, anger, and wrath. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. 1 John 3, 14, 15. Only after we remove the old person from the throne within our body, the carrier of the program of the fallen cherubim that contains the seven troubles, including jealousy, that hands that shed innocent blood, hatred, one hates his brother sheds innocent blood, we will receive the ability to demonstrate hatred in our faith toward the carriers of hatred who have legalized in themselves the seven troubles. The next component of the fullness of wickedness in man in the seven troubles is a heart that devises wicked plans. In Hebrew, this means draw and engrave within your heart thoughts that are not God's thoughts. They can be good thoughts as it appears and taken from Scripture. And a person writes it in his heart thinking that this is his calling. But when it's not coming from God, but from the flesh, a person chooses for himself, then he writes within his heart evil thoughts and forces his conscience to be silent, bringing forth excuses to justify these thoughts. A heart that devises wicked plans is to engrave, to write, to prepare, to devise, to force to be silent. Who does a person, who is a person able to force to be silent? You can't force another. There is a saying in Russian, 
And so you cannot cast onto another. You can make yourself be, uh, to a, uh, you cannot put a pretty much a guard the mouth of another uh, with a cloth, as it were. Uh, but you can, uh, you can do that to yourself, but not to another. We, uh, we, we brighten to our heart, uh, and we make a conclusion that we need to understand a certain place of scripture uh, this way, and we then make our conscience uh, not judge us or condemn us when we are writing these things that are not God's will. Those who are of a perverse heart are an abomination to the Lord, but the blameless in their ways are his delight. <clears throat> Though they join forces, the wicked will not go unpunished, but the posterity of the righteous will be delivered. Proverbs 11, 20 through 21. What is the <clears throat> exit of the, in this situation? This fullness of the righteousness of God, is this not the fast that I've chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that that you break every yoke. It is not to share your bread with the hung is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out when you see the naked that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Isaiah 58:6-7. A person becomes naked when he sins against you. He becomes naked. And to clothe him is to forgive him. The next component of the fullness of wickedness in man in the seven troubles are feet that are swift to running to evil. In Hebrew, this identifies a person who, upon their list of priorities, has the offering of sacrifices over or placed above hearing of the word. Feet that are swift to running evil is to act swiftly, to be, ha to be rash, not think things through, to be prepared to actively participate in evil. This is what uh, be, be, you, you, your feet being uh, swift to running to evil. Walk prudently when you go to the house of God and draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they do evil. Ecclesiastes 5.1 <coughs> Apostle Paul writes, Romans 8.5-8, through 8, to confirm this uh, this truth. For those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. <clears throat> For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. <coughs> Romans 8, 5 through 8. And so you direct yourself and you do what you think about. The next component of the fullness of wickedness in man in the seven troubles is a false witness who speaks lies. In Hebrew, this identifies a person whose heart is an atmosphere for the spirit of deception. A false witness who speaks lies, stating lies as the truth with an oath. The atmosphere for the work of the spirit of deception. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who speaks lies shall perish. Proverbs 19.9 a false witness shall perish, but the man who hears him will speak endlessly. 
Proverbs 21, 28. <clears throat> a false witness, he speaks something that does not, did not happen, but with an oath, he states that it did happen. <clears throat> I often have met with such false witnesses. I met with one brother. We were talking. He didn't know me. He didn't know my name. He said, you speak so well with <clears throat> such a sincerity as if I, a, a sincerity of a child. I am afraid uh, uh, for you. There's one deceiver that has appeared in Oregon, and he can deceive you because uh, you're so naive and so sincere. And I said, who? He said, Arkady. And I said, do you know him? And he says, absolutely. I know him very well. But he's never seen me. As I told you the situation, and at this time, one of the translators who was in our church at the time, a member, she saw me. She was so happy. She said, Pastor Arkady, and that poor man, his uh, his face was covered and uh, became covered in spots, and he ran away to the door. Uh, he became so embarrassed of what he just said. He was sitting and telling me he was uh, testifying that he knew me when he never saw me, he never knew me, and was t uh, meeting me for the first time. Many people who did not know me personally, but just do uh, heard me from others, <clears throat> uh, they then find out this is me, and they become very surprised and or shocked. And when I began talking to them, they say, I felt one person said, when you came up to me and began talking to me, I felt an inner respect and peace from you, a love. And suddenly I find out that you're Arkady. <laughs> and they told me that you're a dictator. May God make all such dictators like you. He said, I felt something, experienced something that I hadn't before, such a love. And so this is a false witness. The concluding component of the fullness of wickedness in man in the seven troubles is one that sows discord among the brethren. In Hebrew, this identifies a person whose heart separates from God and he is then sent into a land that cannot be walked. One who sows discord among brethren to be sent to the land that cannot be walked, a letter of divorce, a divorced woman. An interesting definition in Hebrew, uh, the one that sows discord among brethren. A worthless person, a wicked man, walks with a perverse mouth. He winks with his eyes. He shuffles his feet. He points with his fingers. Perversity is in his heart. He devises evil continually. He sows discord. Therefore, his calamity shall come suddenly. Suddenly he shall be broken without remedy. Proverbs 6, 12 through 15. <clears throat> it's interesting that this person is compared to the evil of Azazel. Imagine when a person sows discord, he's uh, compared to Azazel. Do you know what Azazel, the goat Azazel is? At the time when uh, <clears throat> there was a cleansing that was happening, this was a, the feast of of cleansing, and they would put two goats before the Lord and they prayed. And they cast a lot, one for the Lord and the other for Azazel. <clears throat> Azazel is the demonic name of a prince. 
And when it, uh, one was for Azazel, one for the Lord, then the high priest <coughs> would then first come up uh, to the goat that was for the Lord. It symbolized the dying Christ for the sins of all the nation. He would put his hands upon this goat and confess the sins of all the nation. And then this goat was killed, slaughtered. They sprinkled uh, with his blood the altar, and this then goat was fully burned when the goat was brought and his blood was brought in this means that cleansing did happen when they brought the second for Azazel and they would the priest also put his hands on him and confessed the sins again of all the nation of Israel that was already cleansed they're already cleansed and this goat, after these sins were confessed of all the nation, he was not killed, and he was not offered, and his blood was not brought in. He, with a specific person, they would bring him into a wilderness that cannot be walked, and they would leave the goat there, that the goat would not be able to find its way back. The person that would come uh, after uh, uh, taking that goat out would need to then go through a cleansing process because he became then unclean after he was with that goat or near that goat. And so this person is similar to this, is in the likeness then of the Sazazel. People that sow discord is they are given a certificate of divorce or a letter of divorce. They become a divorced wife. God divorces such a person and gives him a letter of divorce. And now he has the right to <coughs> marry or get married and married to another. And he becomes married to the Azazel. He becomes part of Azazel. And so where it says that a, a letter of divorce, a divorced woman being sent by into the land that cannot be walked. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sin. Proverbs 10.12 Hatred comes from jealousy. It uh, brings about uh, discord, not because there's something wrong, but because a person is finding a reason to get to you. That's it. He uh, pretty much picks at every word. Remove this in yourself, this qualities. Do not allow in yourself because this is in all people. And when you will be able to become free from this, bind this in yourself, then those that are out of you and that were at this time for you and supporting you, they'll become against you. And you'll see then that evil in others. But this evil will not access you or impact you because you will demonstrate righteousness and, and virtue of these seven qualities of virtue. Considering that our time is up right now, we will pray and all those who desire to confront, resist their old person in these seven troubles so that you can conf uh, then confront those that are out of you. God hates these seven troubles, these qualities in a man as well as in the uh, and in people that are in his nation also. We will pray when we acknowledge in ourselves, when we confess this, when we reject these things, we, we, we don't, God does not account this as a sin to us. We confess and we become free of it. We in this bind, 
the old person the more and the more until he loses complete power and is removed from the throne do not be disappointed God is on your side he is for you and he let us pray and bend our knees and and our heads and we will pray we wait for you here at the altar may the Lord bless you to do the work you need to with your old person so that you can uh, receive in the soil of your heart the promise that belongs to the door of your hope. I am going to be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe in the fact that God is for you. He's not against you. Only when a person refuses to repent in his sins and covers them, only then does God confront him. But when he is bound by a sin and comes to God and reveals his sins, God then blots out these sins and turns his face as mercy toward him. Close your eyes. This is your secret room. Lift your hands to God. This is a sign that your hands are without wrath and without doubt. Pray together with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you. I open up my heart. You see my pain. You see my wounds. You see that I am shackled with chains of sin that I hate, that I am tired of, that I am dying in. Deliver me. Break the shackles of unrighteousness. Give me life. Give me your forgiveness. Justify me. I love you. I hate sins that lives within me. Help me bind it now and forever.
in the name of Jesus Christ, right now, I refuse, reject, I deny my house, that my nation, and the destructive desires of my soul. I love you, and I accept your righteousness, your truth into my heart, by the blood of the covenant, and right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that according to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven, and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with his great face, and show you mercy, and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they will not touch you. May all of these blessings, that of the ancient mountains and everlasting hills, be on you and on your children, and be fulfilled upon you, and the nation shall say, Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Blessed is our soul and blessed is the Lord God who has done good for us with his mercy, with his truth, and who has given to us the inheritance that is eternal in his promise that is already enthroned in our heart. The deliverance of our body from the old person and the erection of the stronghold of life within our body. We already have these things in our heart. We already have accepted this. Continue to grow it within yourself until God will do the great and glorious when he sees as the reader when he, the time will come to fulfill these promises that it is within your heart. Considering that our service is over, let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever Amen <laughs>